Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wire World Pro Audio. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the gang. Over here on my right, we've got the one and only Mr. Bobby Osinski. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. Next to him, we've got, well, look who's here. <laughs> Mr. Scott Gershon, Scott. Hey, hey, everybody. Scott, it's so good to see you. We're going to have to catch up. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, so it's going to be really great. So we'll cool. be able to catch up. And across the table from Scott, we've got Miss Bliss McGinnis, producer extraordinaire. Aloha, everyone. How you doing, Bliss? Good. How are you? I'm doing good after editing and editing and editing and well, still editing. <laughs> I've been waking up every morning at 5 a.m. doing a new yoga practice called Sukshuma Viyama. Wow. If anyone knows anything about that, they get a prize. <laughs> it's all about discipline, breath work. And it's really intensive. So eating lots of two hours, and... <laughs> two hours every morning. Wow. Two hours every morning, mm -hmm. and that's the uh, that's the trivia for the podcast. Last week it was Rob's. This week it's Melissa's. <laughs> and over here on my left, the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Nowcasts. Mr. Rob Arbiter. Hello, everybody. Well, hey, listen, uh, it's so good to be back in action, and a lot has happened. And first thing I want to say is we've got a really good, tremendous response for the first podcast that we posted last time. Um, as soon as it went up, we got like a 1,000 downloads, which was wow. really great. So that That's was really, really kind of fun. So at least we know there's, uh, you know, your iTunes subscriptions are still working out there. Nice. <laughs> um, so that was really good. Um, and a couple people sent me some really, you know, nice things, and uh, it was really great. Um, but before before we move on, we're going to talk of, uh, about some gear. We're going to talk about some some really great concepts and things like that. We got to talk to Scott because Scott. Hello. It's been a while, brother. We it haven't. Has. I know. What, what, last time we were basically caught up with everybody. What have you been doing for the last uh, ten months? And with you, actually, it was probably even longer than that. We probably haven't seen you on a podcast in like a. It's it's been a like while. A year, at least. Yes, it's That's been a while. Crazy. That is crazy. That is so, I feel like I, I mean, I, I know there's a gap, but it's just, I feel like I just saw you like last month, but wow. Yeah. So Time flies. What, what have you been up to? Tell me, tell me a couple what of, have I been really up quick, to? To give um, some highlights. I know there was some movement and things like that. Yes, I got a new home now. Actually, I've got a new name on the door. I'm in the exact same home. Uh, uh, the gear went out on a Tuesday and a Wednesday it all came back in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we changed the name on the door. Um, and we continued the work that we've been doing for the last uh, long time. Wow. So the clients went, are we good? And we said, we're good. Let's keep going. So we are. And, and uh, it's so, you know, I, 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 I moved and I kept in the same seat. <laughs> um, basically rotate around the chair once and it's a new company. I mean, Mike Post's old mix room. And it's just. Wait, you're in Mike Post's old mix room? Yeah. Yeah, in Burbank. Wow. And it's, it's, I couldn't ask for, I mean, the room's just gorgeous. All the music and stuff that came out of that room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know it's done well because there's different materials on the sides and the back. And yeah. I've got, you know, uh, um, um, a, a, a bass, uh, yeah, there's bass traps in the back, there's bass traps in the ceiling, in the ceiling, when it was done right. You know, everything's like sand filled. Okay, this sounds like an episode of Spaces. Uh, yeah. We're going to have to combine and, and, and uh, you know, so yeah, we I've built this kind of giant living room vibe. Wow. So it's different than what it was before. Um and it's yeah, it's kind of a big living room that I design and mix in and my clients can come in. It's very chill. 
and I've got uh, eight more rooms on the side. And, uh, you know, and Keywords has been just, just wonderful. And uh, Keywords the, is the name of the company? Keywords Studios is an international group, mm -hmm. uh, about 6,500 people mm -hmm. uh, in 20 countries, 22 cities. And uh, they pretty much do a lot of work in the gaming world. Um, and myself and another woman uh, were kind of branching off into linear back into film and TV, as well as the game side. Really? Yeah. So you're going back to where you started? Of course. I, I, I've so never great. really left. No, I know. Except I know. now the kids call it linear, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. You know, it's, it's, yes, I've got to stop that, because it's, it's, it's such a game term. But it's great, because, I mean, you know, I'm flying to London in about a month, and they're like, do you need to go to China? Where, wherever you need to go, because I got one boss in Milan, one boss in Montreal, a bunch of bosses in Seattle, and they're just all over the place. So... My my uh, office trip is basically Skype. Wow! In in numerous time zones, so it means I I'm pretty much start my day at six and and end at two. Wow, that's exciting. That's really cool. And uh, and the fact that you moved but stayed in the same place is I, I feel fortunate. That's I mean, um, I'm still doing what I love, and uh, this whole industry, this whole town is changing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, it's all good people, and I feel fortunate. Well, that's so great. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you was the fact that um, gaming audio is it's so good. It is so good right now. I mean, some of the the last game that I bought, which was Battlefield Five, mm. I was so impressed by the cinematics on yeah. that that whole game. I was like, this is amazing. It's like usually I would be really impressed by like movies and like oh that's a really great sounding movie, but man, you hear some of the the cinematics and some of the in game audio nowadays. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, it, it's so real. Everything is properly, you know, in the right perspective and yeah. it has the right texture and it has the right sound and the vibe and it. It's just I'm just so impressed. Well, games are no longer two million dollars; they're now eighty million dollars to create like these top tier games. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big bucks. Yeah, I, I, you can because they make up over a billion dollars. You can tell just on the on the sound itself. I mean, the sound is yeah. so good. I mean, when I saw the um, the Battlefield One, which was yeah. you know last year when it came out, and they recreated World War One so well, they were yeah. so like it just was appropriate. Now, whether or not it was the right sound for the right gun and all that, I'm pretty sure it was. But even if it wasn't for every gun, it just sounded appropriate. It sounded like what you thought, you know, war would be like in like 1917, yeah. you know, it just was, it sounded it's getting so very sophisticated. It's gotten very sophisticated. It's amazing. And the in-game mixing is the thing that just blows me away. Yeah. Just, it's just so appropriate where you go and everything from, um, you know, the perspectives and the, the shifts to the echoes. And did you listen in Atmos or 7-1? I was just listening on stereo. Forget, wow. forget that. I know you can go into like a, they're um, now starting to do Atmos for Sheesh. games. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. And a lot of it, you know, I'd love to say it's for, you know, somebody's putting speakers in their ceilings. But I see a lot of it in the sound bar. And uh, I, also uh, where a, a lot of sound is coming from is headphones. You know, I'm having to make sure that my dynamics will fit in that area. Well, you seem like to be able to have more dynamics nowadays than ever. I mean, the, the softs are super soft and the, and the highs are, are really punchy. I think, know? I think. <clears throat> They're making good choices now before they used to throw everything at it. And now they realize that if they throw everything at it, it just becomes mush. So now they're picking their moments. I also think that uh, people are taking the time it 
it takes to go record sounds. You know what? It, it's a different model. And in the post model, you have X amount of weeks to work on it. Right. That's what budget contains. But what's interesting in the gaming model, it's like old Hollywood. Yeah. They're on it for two years. But they're in-house. Everybody's in-house. So most of the work, so they have the time to experiment, to play, to try, to learn. And uh, it's a fascinating, uh, it's a fascinating dynamic. All I have to say, Scott, welcome back. It's so Thank good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's so good to see you, Scott, and um, to catch up. We'll have to catch up more after there <laughs> too. Um, all right, but there's a few things I want to talk about, and uh, and a couple of things that uh, first, right off the bat, um, you know, we talk about gear and we talk about all the normal stuff, and I have some gear that I want to talk about. But I was looking at all this gear, and I went on Gear Sluts, and I read this this post, and it was talking about. Um, Dave Smith's instruments, and you know, there was rumor working on some uh, new. Uh, it was an older post where they were working on a, a new synth, and um, I think that was the Prophet XXL that was the one that they were talking about. Anyhow, to make a long story short, on the post somewhere, the one of the guys says, "Well, that's what they do. <laughs> they create instruments. So there's always a new synth in the pipeline, you know, which made sense." And then another guy said something about, "Well, we'll just have to wait till you know." Behringer comes and makes their version of it so that we can afford it and all this stuff. And it got me thinking about like, you know, there's companies out there that I have a hard time with. And I have a hard time with Behringer because of the they fact... They just showed an Oberheim. Yeah. Well, they just keep OBXA. on... They, they really? Take, yeah. You know what they do? They take the safe route, right? They basically take other people's stuff and they create a, a version of it. And and as I'm, as I'm, I'm kind of in this space right now with everything that I've done and that I've been into with my career and stuff, it's like, you know... The safe route, yeah, you can take the safe route and you can make you know clones and come out cheaper. But all the really great innovation, all the really good things that have happened to anybody or any company, they've always been people that have taken a risk and done something that's not the norm and basically has been you know their own, been original and done things, put themselves out there and really tried something new. I want to go around the table and I, I want to ask each one of you guys, if you can think about, think about a moment in your life where you've kind of, you, you took a chance and, and whether or not it turned out positive or negative, I think everything moves things forward. Um, but can you remember an instance in your professional career or wherever where you took a chance, you, you went out, you, you did something original and besides your whole life and your whole blog, Bobby. Yeah, I remember when I camped out in front of Stevie Wonder's <laughs> That one's already taken. <laughs> now I have to think of another one. Um, well, for me, it's always been, um, I think I've had a number of careers, different careers, and it's, it's starting out in a new one. The, I guess the one I'm currently on has been the most interesting journey. And that was, uh, no, the most profound one was the day I stopped being a professional musician mm -hmm. and, tr and stopped making my living from playing. And it honestly was the happiest day of my life. Wow. Was it actually like a day? Like, can you remember the uh, yeah. moment when that happened? Yeah, yeah, I can. Wow. I was, I was on stage with... A very prominent. I was the musical director for a very prominent English guitar player, and it was a horrible tour. And I remember I was on stage, and he came on stage and played a guitar solo for 25 minutes, and looked at me, and had his eyes were like slits, 
And he said, is it my turn to play yet? And at that point, it was like, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. And it happened to be the last night of the tour. Hmm. So the next day, it was like, I- I'm, I'm done. And I just got this weight that left my shoulders, and it was fantastic. Wow. And I can still remember. And, and it was like, okay, well, it's a new journey, but you know what? I think I'm going to be happier. That's, you know what? That's pretty amazing because to give up a gig like that, especially as being a musician and all you know is making money, mm-hmm. doing music, and then to give up a gig like that, which they don't come around that often, that's pretty, that's pretty spectacular. That, to take that kind of a chance is really great. Well, you know, again, I was in my early 40s when it happened, or maybe about 40. And I was, it was time to move on as well. That was just a good push over the edge. And by the way, Bobby, I heard that you can play. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I, I used to be able to play. Now I'm an owner of instruments. I've heard some stuff. I'm just going to say that's all, that's all I'm saying. But uh, wow, that's a, that's a great story. How about you, Scott? Any, any moment that you can remember? No, no. It's recently, actually. I, um, you know, I'd been in the same company for 28 years and then the new version of it for... So 31, 32 years. And then I said, you know, there's a new medium coming out called VR. So I actually de-emphasized my view on film. It's kind of, I don't want to say stopped, because I'm still not 100% stopped. But I did take a very big risk and change companies when I didn't really need to and ran after VR. Uh, is it a good idea or a bad idea? I don't know. Uh, VR's not really prominent at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so on one hand, it's not a good idea. But, you know, I, sometimes you just need change. Sometimes you just need to... So true. Um, ...to change it up. And I even said, when I left, I said, this is either going to be the best idea or the stupidest idea. And I don't think it's either. I think it's sometimes you just need to get out of your comfort zone of what you know. Because it, it got to the point where I just... I just kept doing the same thing. I kept thinking, all right, I'm going to do this, the same thing, and do that. And, and I just, I don't know. I, I, I felt that there's got to be more. And I felt that I just was, I felt like I was repeating myself a lot. So now when I do any kind of movies or streaming, I really want to do it people I really like and not just to do it because it keeps me busy. And I try to find those projects that are passionate for me and then they're magical because I it, with people I love, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. VR is very religious, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, AR is not. You know what? But that's the, you make a, a great point though. Is even if you make a pivot like that and you make a decision to go out, and you may not think it's the strongest decision. Sometimes the the ripple effect, like you meet new people, you make new contacts. I mean, amazing go, people. You know, that's the thing. Is like sometimes the end game isn't actually the goal that you're that you're looking for. Sometimes that's just the path that you go down, but you actually end up, you know, meeting and going. In a different direction, and that just kind of pulled you out into that direction. Sometimes so. you just need chapters of your book, yeah, rather than the book being just one big chapter. That is that's, sometimes yeah. it's good to have dozens of chapters. Absolutely, it just makes it more interesting. That's a, absolutely, and in my case, the comic book that mine is. <laughs> <laughs> I just need pages. <laughs> How about you, Miss Bliss? How about you and your pivots? Oh boy, where do I start? Um, 
I mean, I guess the biggest one I can think about is pretty recent. Um, I had been working for advertising agencies for, you know, five years, and I would given my heart and soul to it, and it was just such a grind, and it was tearing me apart, and I just was so unhappy, and I started to get depressed, and I just tried to reel through it, because that's what everyone else does. That's what society says to do. I was following my path. That was I was, you know, working my way up, and... Um, seeing progress, but it just was not fulfilling anymore. So I just decided I can't do this anymore. And I left advertising. It was something that took a lot of courage. I was terrified, but the jump that I took just, I just knew no matter what I did, I would recover and I would be okay. And I would fall into something that I wanted to do. And now I'm working with people that I love, such as the gentleman around this table and Mike Rodriguez over there. <laughs> on so many uh, passion projects and things that are becoming realities. And it's really exciting, and it's it's all happening step by step. And just I feel like I'm finally using my talents and what I was created to do. And I don't know, it's just the best feeling in the world to feel fulfilled. And let me tell you, uh, that was a pretty big jump because she was producing content for, um, oh, small features like... Black Panther and <laughs> Infinity War, you know, stuff like that. So, wow. How about you, Scott? I mean, Scott. I know. We look so much alike. <laughs> we're like twins. I know. I literally was looking at you. Yes, and, you were. And I called you Scott. Yes. <laughs> no, that is Mental weird. note, the date that we first sensed dementia. In my <laughs> <laughs> and what's even you were crazier, staring right at me, too. You know what's even crazier than that? As it was coming out of my mouth, like you realize it. I knew I had it wrong. <laughs> Wait, your mouth's not. <laughs> How about you, Rob? <laughs> so, what's your name again, Mike? <laughs> uh, well, I've already told the story uh, ad nauseum of dropping everything and showing up on Stevie Wonder's hotel room door with uh, some software I wrote them. So I'm not going to tell that one. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me think. I'm actually about to embark on what is probably the biggest single undertaking I've ever done in my career, and it's a little too soon to talk about it live, but uh, I'm very excited about it. I'm basically about to start on a project that brings together my 35 years in the music business under one immense, gigantic project that I'm building a massive team for, and I'm super excited about, and we'll be talking about it in the next few podcasts. It won't be that that long, but um, for one I could talk about, I, I think I know the one. In the 90s, I had sort of worked with everybody I ever wanted to. I'd already done a ton of Stevie Wonder stuff, and I'd been doing a lot of writing with Michael Jackson, and I did a lot of Whitney Houston stuff, and a lot of artists. Uh, and I had done a lot of advertising work. I'd done about 500 ad campaigns, and I felt like I'd done everything I wanted to in that world. Wrote the world-famous Hot Pockets jingle. Uh, Hot Pockets. Wow. Know, doesn't get any bigger than that. Uh, he says 28 years later. Um, <laughs> But we had an opportunity to go to a meeting at Sony Pictures because a composer had tried uh, a few shots at, a, at the music for a big movie trailer. And it was going to be the biggest movie ad campaign in history. And Scott knows the story I'm talking about. I'm going, well, I'm in flashbacks. Yeah, you're having, because you were along on this ride. I know. But I went to this meeting because uh, the person was actually a client I had known 10 years before in my earliest days. The client had been like starting out in advertising the same time I was. And this client was looking for a composer because they had another composer that had not done a good job. They'd taken like three stabs at this movie trailer and not nailed it. And so we got a call from this old client saying, look, I'm basically desperate. 
I know you guys saved my butt years ago on a job, and I have a composing project that if you, if you can do this, it could probably launch a whole new career for you. And if you can't do it, I need to keep looking because we've got this trailer that we're now way behind schedule for. It needs to be uh, attached to Men in Black. When, when the first Men in Black came out, this trailer needed to be attached to it. And it was going to be the biggest movie ad campaign in, in film history. So I went to the meeting and we sat down and this executive was telling us, okay, the music, and this is me and my production partner, the, uh, the music needs to be huge and grandiose and we need to use a giant symphony orchestra and we've budgeted a ton of money for this and it needs to set this mood and tell this story and all this other stuff. And the client looked at me and said, do you know how to do this? Like, can you do this? This is huge. And I looked straight back across the desk and said, absolutely. <laughs> this is no problem. I'm your guy. We've got this. And there was just a huge sigh of relief. And because we had done good work for this person before, I'm not giving any hints as to who it is. Um, and so we were handed the gig to do this. And on the way home from the meeting at Sony, uh, we stopped at a bookstore so I could buy a book on orchestration. <laughs> and I bought a bunch of CDs that I thought would kind of sound like the kind of music I'd want to write. And within the next two weeks, I taught myself orchestration studied every piece of classical music I could find that I thought you know, might apply to this, and wrote the demo, and basically a month later was in the studio with a 100-piece symphony orchestra at Sony playing this music, and Scott was there yep. for some of these early sessions. Yep. From, from that, I ended up basically launching a whole new career. I ended up doing... You were busy after that. Really busy, with huge trailers, with huge budgets for the next, I don't know, eight, ten years. Wow. Um, and it was just the most awesome thing in the world. But I had confidence in myself to believe that I'd be able to figure this out. I mean, I'd studied classical piano since I was three, and I knew, you know, I could read and write music, and I, I knew how to write orchestral music. I just never had anyone give me the chance before. Um, but so that was the biggest pivot, and it was all because I was sort of fed up with the work I was doing. I felt like I'd done it all, and here's this massive opportunity. I could have said no. And it, it would have just gone by, and instead it launched, it was everything for the next 10 years. Wow, that's pretty cool. So that's the one I can think of. But in a few weeks, let me tell the story of what we're about to embark on, because it's even cooler than that. Yeah. Mike, how Mike? about you? Oh, I'll, uh, let's see. I've, I've told him on, on the podcast, uh, well, probably the biggest one is what got me into music. I left college two weeks before finals, and I just never went back. Literally wow. failed all my classes and just took off because I got the opportunity to go on the road. It's like, you got the opportunity to go on the road or finish school, and I'm just like, you know what? This is where my passion is. Boom. And I went, and my very first tour, very first gigs was with Natalie Cole. And you know how the business goes. Once you get one on your plate, then you can go to another one, you know? What do you think would have happened if you never got that offer? Oh, my. We wouldn't be around this table. <laughs> That's for would sure. you be an accountant? <laughs> I'd be an accountant. Actually, I went to film school, so I'd be like a, I'd be poor. Oh, darn. <laughs> No, but that a terrible world. <laughs> but I think uh, I, you know, it just seems, and I bet this is the same with everybody. Every time you make a change, it's always a pivot. You're always taking a chance. You're always going out there you, to to get to the next level. I mean, I've gone into, um, I've gone into bosses' offices and put it on the line and said, I need to make this much, and if I can't make it, then I have another offer. And even though you don't have another offer, and you know they don't want to lose you. Um, you have those kind of little moments of courage and stupidity, I say, <laughs> you know. But at that time, it was it was worth it. But I think um, 
what I'm doing right now, I think it's it's probably the biggest chance going from, you know, being in a situation where it's, you know, everything is safe and sane and going and then going on the wild side and doing crazy stuff. But I will tell you, and I bet you all can agree, it's like sometimes if you <laughs> as as hard as it is, the rewards are just as high. You know, like when you left um playing music full-time and you went and studied your next career of your life you know i bet the ups were even higher than you know having to put up with some of the music stuff it's like the good things and the adventures it, it just, it's all kind of works its way out you know you know i have another one too a short one how i get into writing i was on a tour bus and the bass player walked on and said i just got a job writing for the music paper music paper was a, a music weekly music paper in new york and for some reason, I thought, well, if you can do that, I can do it, too. And the next stop, I got off and called Mix Magazine, and I said, can I write something for you? And they gave me a gig, and the first thing I wrote was on um, Crosby, Sills, Nash & Young, American Dream, on their album. And I just found that article not that long ago, and it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually it led to me writing for like a dozen different magazines. That is so great. And, and you know, that is and so, books and stuff, yeah. I That's so great, though. But you make the pivot. I, you know, and I just want to put out there, it's like, you know, you got to have a certain amount of confidence in your skills and what you do. You can't go into this, you know, you can't go halfway. If, if you would have gone into whatever you're going to do, or Scott, or any of the guys around here, or girls would have gone to that, that, that next level and not been confident, then it would all fell apart. But... When you do it, man, the rewards sometimes are just are just amazing. And, and sometimes I think you've done a great job of this. And I did it probably when I was a little bit younger, I think. And that is, so you've got your core gig. Everyone's got a core gig. And then doing side gigs. Because like you were talking about writing. And it reminded me because um, I ended up doing a little bit of writing myself. And I thought, wow, this is great. It was so hard for me. Where I'd see people would write like, yep, yeah, I blew an article in two hours. It would take me two days. <laughs> and because I, cause I am the king of run-on sentences, so I would just write. A really? Pl- Wait, you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a page and then period. Um, <laughs> and I just realized, and then my wife would look at it and go, oh, okay. Hey, Scott, um, I've become a master of editing you, so if you ever need me. <laughs> um, no, but it is. I, but I, Just one of many things. Yeah. And I think sometimes... It's good to try something. You go, hey, I got to do it. I had a lot of fun. I'm so glad I did it. But I don't do it anymore. And that's sometimes a neat thing to do, whether you play music, whether you do film editing. I mean, you've, you've had a lot of little side gigs through your career. And I think, but that's very fruitful. Yeah. It, it, it gives you the enjoyment you know, 100%. We, yeah, and it's just about, I think a lot of these success stories is taking action and just taking the chance, doing things, seeing where it falls, learning, improving, growing, like just making things happen. Well, and it's interesting because a lot of these stories are related to something coming to an end, you know, whether it's you've just had it with, you know, the kind of live music you're playing, or in my case, I've had it with doing the same like horrible TV promos over and over and over for you know years on end even though yeah. it's paying the bills it's just not at all rewarding. I think we all have those stories where it's like the universe is telling you you know what it's time to make a change yeah 
Uh, and the trick is while you're doing your day gig and your grunt work and everything else, make sure you're always expanding your skill set and, yeah. and understanding your industry and knowing your tools and all of that stuff. Because you will get at some point you will run into some brick wall where you want to change course, or the industry will hand you an opportunity. You got to make sure you're ready for all these things. Like that's so true. You, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was at a party at Rupert Perry's. We we're talking about earlier, yeah. our, our dear friend Rupert, and. He pulled me aside and said, I want you to meet this person. And it was a huge manager. And we got to talking, and basically I found out he wasn't a manager anymore. And what he did was he dealt in artwork. <laughs> and he was so happy. <laughs> so happy. And, and then I thought to myself, well, that's why I don't read his name anywhere anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. he just made enough money that he can... So true. Go pivot. You know, and how wonderful is that? Yeah, I mean, you know, right. S- Scott, you brought up that the thing about having you know doing your side gig, you know, doing the side gigs. It's like if you really are unhappy with what you're doing or where you're going or what your career is or wherever, you know, and, but you're in, being an accountant or whatever, just start taking those side gigs on. The side yeah. gigs, like y- you're going to lose sleep. But that's your training ground. That's what's going to put you to the next level. That's what's going to allow you to, because you'll know if you're good or not. Like if you if you're not good at your side gig, Lord, stay at your gig. <laughs> it's well, so true because also, I mean, when you do find yourself at that wall where you need to do something different. And for me, it was advertising. I was like, I need to do something else. The, my biggest fear was what if I have no other skill set and I have to go somewhere else and do advertising? Like that would just be the scariest thing to me at that time. Yeah. But then just opening myself up to know you have so many more talents and gifts that you can use that as well, but in your own way and be your own boss. And that was, you know, a huge thing as well as all the other things that we're working on. Why yeah. do people not like advertising or burn out from advertising? Well, it's so clients. stressful. The clients, it's the, so stressful. And the deadlines and the... the Unrealistic expectations. They spend the same amount of time <laughs> figuring out a 30-second commercial as they do a movie. Um, why don't you That's tell... True. Like, tell them about some of your, your work days. Like, how long you were you were working towards the end of the whole... I mean, I would be working for three different studios. I'd be working on up to 10 different projects, whether all of them were super active or not. There was always a need and there was always a thousand emails. And I literally would be the biggest multitasker of all time, getting shouted at from executive producers, getting phone calls from clients, updates. Where is this? Where is that? Talking to the editors, making sure finishing on this thing is okay. Like, you know, and we're talking Netflix, Disney, Warner. Like, you can't say which one's more important than the other because all of your producers are yelling at you saying my project's the most important and you have to get all of this work done. And I could, I I never ate lunch. I literally, like, skipped lunch every day because I did not have time. There were times where I didn't even go to the bathroom because I had so much to do and I was so stressed. (laughs) And and that's on top of... Some of the stories where you given notes during that time on the creative side. Revisions, of revisions. So it's like, oh, here's the deadline, but here's revisions. And oh, surprise, you know, there's an issue with this finishing problem. Oh, this machine is down. This editor can't work on this piece. And you have everything scheduled out to a T, but like you have to always pad for error. But then that's also telling the client like some story that everything's all good when it's like you're just putting out fires 24 7 and it seems like life or death, but it's not because you're. 
in a stupid advertising agency and not in the ER. <laughs> I, 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 but wow. everybody thinks it's life and death. I think stuff just got real for Bliss. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm, the anxiety level that I feel right now from that story. Mm. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> where well, are you? Text, where are you? Where are you? It's like, oh, I finally went to the bathroom. Like, is that okay? <laughs> See, does that answer your there question? Was a time, there was a time where we were working on The Hobbit for Warner Brothers and there was like this huge protest coming through to Hollywood for some big issue, political issue, or and everyone was scared and all the producers said, hey guys, like to the clients, our team's leaving because like, you know, it's a safety issue and we're clearing the building. Um, you know, there's protesters coming, they look angry and it looks violent. Um, my producer said, Bliss, um, do you think you can upload that that Hobbit cut? It's really important. Like, stay. I was the only soul in the whole building staying Are you to work to upload this thing, putting myself in potential danger for the Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was an EPK. It wasn't even like a huge wow. marketing piece. It was like a pr- super press piece. And I was like. Uh, I guess, and he was so kind of uh, that I just was afraid. I'm if leaving, I said but no. can you get it done now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm running away from the hordes that are coming with with bats and shovels and pitchforks. Everything ended up by luckily being okay, so there was nothing to worry about. But just in the event, like that was a possibility. Everyone was concerned enough to evacuate. Sheesh. Yeah, that's there's advertising for you. That sounds pretty bad. <laughs> you know the thing about advertising and working in the same game, um, it's there's so much ass kissing in, in advertising, and it's whether whether it's the creatives or the clients or whatever, and and it's just it's it's just not conducive to um, feeling good about yourself if you're not there, right? Everybody's like just. You know the creative um, directors are, are gods, and everybody's catered to them. And like, oh, where they want to go to lunch, and all this stuff. And the client comes in, and everything's, you know. But the grunts, the guys that are are below, um, they get it's a hard life being the coordinators and the junior producers and all that. It's really hard because they're the ones that have to get it done. You know, when I was working in advertising, at least I was on the creative side of things, so I got treated pretty well myself because doing the you know the sound and the sound design and stuff, but. You see, you know, if we needed something and then they just bark at somebody behind you. And it's just it's just not a good life for those Staplers were thrown (laughs) at people. I did two weeks in an advertising agency filling in for a friend that went on vacation. And did I I tell you the the satellite story? Did I ever tell you? No, I don't think so. So um, we're doing... um, a voiceover with uh, Spock's dad, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a, a lovely guy. So he came in and did the voiceover, and for some reason, it was, I was bouncing the signal off the satellite, and it was being recorded simultaneously in Seattle, and I don't remember why that was, but the satellite time is really expensive, so you only had an hour to do this, mm-hmm. and it was exactly on the time. And then the advertising agency was in Las Vegas, so they were on a speakerphone. This is in the 80s. And uh, we went through this, and some I hear on the speakerphone, can you take out a second and a half? And that, yeah, no problem. So I go over, and it's tape. And I slice out the tape, put it together. I said, oh, no, no good. Put it back in, and I can't find the slice. <laughs> and I'm looking all over for this slice, and I can't find it. And 
the clock is ticking down. It's getting towards the end of the hour, and the advertising agency is going, okay, so what's happening? What's going on? Because they can't see. Right. What's happening? Why is it quiet there? Even if they could see, that's <laughs> yeah. what they'd be saying. And I was looking all over for this, and by some dumb luck, I looked behind the machine, and it had flittered back oh. behind the tape machine on the floor, and I got it, sliced it in real fast, and everything was good. But and and we made it, but almost to the second. <laughs> but at that point, I was thinking, is this what it's going to be like? Yes. <laughs> and then there's meetings where it's like we're gonna do these a hundred things, we we we, <laughs> and that means I'm gonna do it, yeah. all of it. And it's like, okay, cool. When's the deadline for all of these things so I can prioritize? <laughs> is it today? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. um, yeah. And then I worked at another. I switched over to another agency. And um, I was a producer there, which was really awesome. And I thought that was going to be a great thing for me. But this company was smaller, more boutique, and just basically didn't have anything together. It was like a free-for-all. So I was not only doing my job, but I was doing everyone else's job because no one could be trusted. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Can, hey, can I tell you one ultra-stress story? Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, really quick. Okay. Yes, you can. I just got to ask you one question about your thing. Did the client ever, did they ever know that you were had to hunt for that little piece? Or did you no. just play it off? No, no, they, they never knew. Man, did you, like, when it was all done, I would, like, keep that little piece in my wallet for the rest of my life. Well, <laughs> no, no, I had to slice it back yeah. in. I, I, know, I know, Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Go ahead. So I just have to tell you this one ultra-stress story, which kind of applies, but it's just... This was an awesome moment. I think Scott may have been there for this. Um, so, and I think it was the first of those movie trailers when we when we got that gig and, and recorded with the Hundred Piece Symphony, and it was a huge deal because it was such a big marketing campaign. And the orchestra we used was a Hundred Piece Symphony, which cost. It was all union, and we recorded at Sony, uh, you know, in the MGM scoring stage. It was called at the time, and so the base cost was about twenty five thousand dollars an hour to just put the bodies in the chairs and, you know, have them perform. And it's all a union session. And our clients had told us, well, you have one hour to do this. It's only three minutes of music. You've got one hour because we're only going to spend 25 grand for the orchestra. You're not getting 50 grand for three minutes of music. So, uh, so we're recording and we're recording. And the orchestras are unbelievable out here. You know, they're really good. But the music I had written was really dissonant and really strange <laughs> and kind of difficult. And so we rehearsed it a few times. They got it close. We started taking takes. You know, they'd get it close, but they never quite nailed it. And it was always at the end that the problems would be. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're doing take after take, and I can see on the clock that we're getting close to the hour mark. And we had to give them a, a union break in the middle, so we had already done that. We couldn't take any more breaks. So we had to keep going until the hour ran out. And the way it works in a session like that is there's a union representative who – when you run out of time or you need to take a break, they basically stand up and that way everybody knows the orchestra needs to stop and, you know, something... That's a has, great gig. It's a scary as hell gig, I'll tell you this. But they get to basically stop the session or whatever. And if you're right near the end of something, they're not going to stop it. But they can stop the session at any point. They can say, this is not kosher with the union and when we're stopping. So I will never forget this. I lost several years off my life that night. Uh, so we had not gotten a whole take that was good end to end. I probably could have pieced something together with synths and stuff, but we didn't have a solid take. And back in these days, it was not as easy to edit uh, as it is now. And so I'll never forget, we were coming up on, we had like two and a half minutes left, but a take of this music took three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Nobody said anything. You know, we're just going to do another take. But they had not been able to nail it. And all the mistakes they had made had been near the end because there's, there's, there's this colossal action at the end of the trailer. And that's where they screwed up. And all the executives from Sony were sitting in the control room because this was a major monumental piece of music for them. So they're all sitting in the back, all stone-faced. I'm standing in the control room sweating bullets. We've got two and a half minutes left to record three minutes of music, and they haven't been able to nail it yet. And so I, I'm reliving this dress. I'm getting nervous thinking about it just now. So we start the take. Everything's going fine. It's going fine. We get to the you know two and a half minute mark in the music, and we hit the, you know, we're out of our hour. Our hour's over. And I see the, the union steward looking around, looking at the clock, confirming that they're out of time, and they stand up. Huh. And I go, oh, no, they're going to stop the orchestra. But the orchestra kept playing wow. and ignored the uh, union steward. Yeah, they made it through the take, and for the first time, it was flawless. <laughs> wow. And I actually, when they were finished, collapsed in my chair. And people thought I was joking. I wasn't. I was having could, could heart you, palpitations. Couldn't you just take like the last 16 bars or something? We could have, but they had never nailed it. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Yeah, and and we were recording on Sony 48 track, and there was a lot of other uh, stuff going on. We didn't have an easy way to do a digital transfer to edit it. it was, <laughs> now yeah, it's yeah. no big deal. But so, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know and, and we could have figured out a way. If worse had come to worse, <laughs> we wouldn't have scrapped the whole thing. I would have finished it with synths or whatever. We weren't going to lose the gig, but wow. it was unbelievable. And it was just because the orchestra was basically Well, well they went together, with, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they wanted to get it. They were dedicated. I'll tell you, the one thing about that's common amongst all these stories is that, you know, everybody here like survived and they all that they, they stood up to the challenge. You stood up to the challenge, you stood up to the challenge. Everybody stood up to the challenge. And there's a lot of guys that can't stand up to the challenge, especially in advertising, you know, mm-hmm. like marketing and stuff. I I'm going to give you one story before we wrap this all up. Um, I was working for the promos for New Line Cinema on Blade 2. And this is back before you had um, digital delivery. So you, they had satellite time, and you had to make the satellite feed. You had to. There's like that's the thing about advertising. I will say is there's deadlines that are ironclad deadlines. You cannot push it back. Once they set a deadline, it's like it's it's set in stone because there's so many other things that rely on it. So, or potentially lose a client. <laughs> exactly. No it's stress. Like, it's like you know. So. I was working on Blade 2. We were doing a bunch of spots. I had another mixer in. We had to hit a 1 a.m. We had to have the tape there by 1 a.m. to hit the satellite feed time that we had because it was airing the next day and all the morning shows you know, back in New York and everything. So I'm sitting there. I'm mixing. They're doing revisions. I have another mixer in another bay. The um, post-production supervisor, which I'm going to re- you know, not tell Don't go her there. name, yeah. but um, was – freaking out and was just not the type of person who hid their emotions like would get angry would say this 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 anyhow to make a long which story which was really short. helping <laughs> exactly yeah. to make a long story short it's getting closer getting closer i finished my spot and she goes she goes mike i need you to go in the other bay i just sent that mixer home uh-huh. and i need you to finish this and so and it's not just one spot it's one spot and then they're tagged versions of it right so you had to like you know, now playing coming. You know, Thursday, this Friday. You know, all now those you have things. to figure that out right. too. So uh, yeah, so I go in there and I have to go on his session, yeah. and it was all over the place. Nothing was was matching the whole thing. So anyhow, to make a long story short, I finished my session at like twelve thirty. I had to finish his session and lay it back 
Um, and it had to get there by one. It was so tight. Yeah. The messenger was already there. Everybody was like on my shoulders. I'm mixing it and I'm just like, all right, you know, I mean, it, I'll be honest, it wasn't my best work. <laughs> it was work and it sounded great, you know, but it wasn't like anything, yeah. you know, it was just, a, it was a, trailer for Blade 2. But, you know, so it was just a lot of sound effects and a lot of and a lot of music. Anyhow, to make a long story short, literally after I finished the layback, they didn't even rewind the tape. They pulled it out. They didn't even, they didn't even check it. They pulled it out. Sent it right. They, there was no QC at all. They literally just gave it to the courier and like, well, we're hoping to make it. Guess we're it, done. You know? Um, but yeah, that was yeah that, like deadlines for the late night shows, especially yeah. on the East Coast. Like if you don't get those in and you miss it when like so and so actor is going to be talking and they want to pitch their film that they're going to be in yeah. and that clip is not there, you are. <laughs> you are fired. That's what you were saying. That's what you were saying. But it's the you know it's the deadlines and it's the expectation. It's just that it's that pace all the time. Which sometimes it's really you know sometimes you feel after that you're like yes I was a hero, but it just wears on you. And like the poor mixer that they got rid of, he was literally like he was freezing up because it was the pressure was so intense mm-hmm. and she was just like no blah 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 and, blah, and blah, that's blah. the thing also too they don't congratulate you or say good job you have to do it to yourself you're like I made the deadline <laughs> go me like you have to lift yeah. yourself yeah. up from like the tension and negativity yeah. because everyone else is already focused on the next hundred things yeah. that are in like your robotic lineup that you're like okay what's next on the assembly line <laughs> like no time for celebration back to work yeah exactly because you know why because you just finished uh Tuesday and Wednesday is the next day. <laughs> I, well, you, you have that in movies too, right? Oh, yes. I got so many stories. Rob knows a lot of them too. But I mean, the big thing I had was, which wasn't my fault, was I was on a movie, and in, at that time they used to go, they used to EQ backwards and forwards. Because <laughs> that's the way it was. That's, it was on oh, all on so Mag. Because Mag goes forward. Yeah. So instead of going back and rewind and hit play again, they would go, so anyway, I just got this brand new device called the Wayframe. You know this. Oh, I remember this like it was yesterday. This and, is horrifying. Um, this one, uh, the Wayframe does not love backwards time code. So much so. Most things didn't. Yeah. I mean. So much so, it crashed. Hmm. Okay. It just took 15 minutes to reboot. Oh. So I've got this really, really big director. Who goes, all right, uh, can we make the gunshot a little bit like softer or whatever whatever the, the thing was? No problem. And I'm going, I'm um, going to need to wait 10 minutes for my system to reboot. And the first time was like, okay, reboots, he hits play, and he hits rewind again, and I crash again. And then the director's like, I'm so confused. Why do we have to keep stopping? And then I said, could you not, can you not do a playback in reverse? And the mixer was attitude So at that point, the director is not really having any of this. And I'm like, I just couldn't find a hole deep enough that I wanted to crawl into. Mm. <laughs> oh, so um, I called Rob and I said, I need, I think you have this device that doesn't accept backwards time code. Because it was MIDI time code. Well, you say it that way now. He was the most freaked out I had <laughs> ever heard anybody in my life. I was like, do you have it? Yes. Can I borrow it? 
Whatever. I'll pay whatever money it takes. <laughs> he hey. sounded so freaked out. I, I could not believe it. And I'm sitting there and I your voice is up and knocking. And I'm whispering, <laughs> and, this, and I'm like, get it done. Drive it here. Anyway, just now. And I'm trying to problem solve. And I'm having a whole room looking at me. Just, and, 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 you know, this was also when computers were sort of young. And people were like, why are we doing it this way? And here I was, this whiz kid. Who was just like crashing and burning? What, really quick, was that an Adam Smith synchronizer? Is that what you had? No, no, no. no I no, had it was fast forward. It was the fast forward. fast forward. It was basically a little box that you could use to insert video time code. Oh. But and it would regenerate time code, but only forward. So if you put backwards time code in, it would, it ignored it. So if you put it between the mag machines or the film, it was sort of like a reshaper, yeah, like yeah. a regen. It's a filter. It's, it's a filter. You put it between that and the waveframe, and then the waveframe wouldn't get backwards time code, and then Scott's a hero again. Uh, first of all. You must have been really desperate to want to borrow anything from Rob <laughs> to take out of the studio because I know oh, Rob is. He sounded like he would have borrowed a kidney at that point. <laughs> I mean, I would have so freaked out. I got 10 grand right now. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was one of the most fascinating, worst uh, situ- what projects ever. It's still the worst horror story I've oh, yeah. ever heard from uh, anybody. I mean, they threw us a massive party at the end as a kind of a sorry thank you. We all looked at it and we all walked out. Yeah. And we were just like, we're wow. done. Well, hey, on that note, <laughs> we're done. Because uh, I don't know. If we I could can just handle. do like the horror story podcast series. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 20 yeah, episodes. I mean, apparently not all advertising agencies are bad, but I just let me know if there is a good one. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, I just all this to say, you know, if you're out there and you want to pivot and you're ready to make a move, um, you know, side gigs to kind of warm you up to get a little bit of reality, because that's the main thing is, is if, if you're going to pivot, at least pivot to something you're going to be. I think we all at. say it's the best thing we've ever had happen. I mean, yeah. And then once it's climbing once Mount Everest, it was really fun the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it again, especially now. <laughs> but I will say this though, um, you know, just because you pivot, don't don't expect it to be all sunshine and uh, oh, and it's hard because it, sometimes you throw yourself into a super hard situation, but it will get better and, and you, it'll be different. And with that said, though, all of our stories, our fun, most coolest stories. Are the problem ones? Yeah, yeah. yeah right. It wasn't like, yeah, we did this. Everything went really well. That was kind yeah, because they're over. <laughs> they're over. I mean, yeah. But you know what else? Your best friends in life will be the ones you made yeah. it through those the war events with. with. Yeah. 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 That's definitely true. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, listen. If you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Good to see you, Scott. It's good to see you back. Glad to after be back. Man, it's been such a while. But you know what? It's so great getting around the table and everybody just picks up where they, they left off. Speaking of that, um, Rob, do you have anything you can talk about that you're going to be up to doing? Um, coming up, not really. I mean, I'm basically embarking on the biggest sort of new adventure I think I ever have. And it's really exciting. And I'm glad that you guys are all going to be involved in it in various ways. And we'll be able to talk about it real soon. Great. How about you, Miss Bliss? You working on any anything fun and exciting? Unlimited projects. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> All exciting. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to some updates on that. How about you, Scott? You looking? F- you working on anything you can talk about? Uh, no, uh, but I can say that uh, July eleventh, I think. July eleventh. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lecture in London, in Brighton, actually, Brighton, England. Nice. Um, talking about the industry and all that. So for all those people in London, I'll be bouncing around like, I don't know, from the 6th to the uh, 14th. So, so, and at the rate we post these podcasts, July 11th is tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
How about you, Bobby? Well, okay, so uh, yeah, I'm doing that too. I'm doing Gearfest, and then is that Sweetwater? Sweetwater, yeah, yeah. in in June, and then um, a little bit later, I'm doing Nimbus in Vancouver as well. Wow, up there. So yeah. I can't wait to report on Gearfest. That's like the twenty something, right? It's in the twenties, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It was the most fantastic. It's gaining so much traction. Yeah. I I want to go. I haven't been able to go, yeah. but that's, let's do the that's podcast. Come on. Yeah, really. We'll get a Vokes. We'll hey, get a van. You never know, man. After this last pivot, all everything's back on the on the table. Let's so take that, a risk. <laughs> that's great. That's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. And you, Mike? Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, uh, well, obviously I'm working on all this stuff for for the podcast and doing a couple other projects. But one thing I'm getting back into is getting back into music and getting back into writing and stuff. And there's some That's really cool. cool. Like the next podcast, I'm going to talk about um, some plugins that are really great for people that need a little help when it comes to music theory and things like that. There's, there's great VSTs out there called like Scalar and Cthulhu and all these other ones that... Oh my gosh, they talk about just a songwriter's best friend. It's like they just really do some really pretty great, amazing things. Um, so we'll talk about that. But yeah, it's just great being back in the music. And I want to, you reminded me talking about music. I'd like to give one quick shout out to uh, let everybody know they should check out a website. Of, a good friend of mine named Tom Hormel passed away earlier this year. He, was, he died one day shy of his 89th birthday. Mm. And I've talked a lot about me going to Florida and doing piano performances and a lot of different kinds of work. And a lot of it's been, uh, it was to work with Tom. And I, I'd worked with Tom for like 25 years. We were really great friends. And he was truly a Renaissance man. He was a painter, uh, a sculptor, a musician, a, a composer. A, I mean, he did everything. Um, and he left behind this amazing artistic legacy. And there's now a website dedicated to his artistic career. And if you go to TomHormel.com, and yes, it is the Hormel as in the, the Spam and Chili family. His grandfather invented Spam hmm. uh, many years ago. But Tom was an incredible guy, and a lot of his music is now up at TomHormel.com, and you can actually check it out. And I worked on a lot of it, um, but even the stuff I didn't work on, he has music there, I think, that goes back to the 40s or 50s. Wow. And he was just an incredible guy, so... Uh, just check it out if you ever have a chance. He's, he was a really interesting character. Uh, send me a link, and when I post this podcast, I'll post I'll post the link also. Sounds good. That'd be great. Wow. Well, I just want to thank everybody for the great response after the last podcast that we posted. We got a gazillion downloads, which was really fun. Um, but we're going for more than a gazillion now. But <laughs> a gazillion point five. Yeah. Nice. But Scott, it's so good to have you back. Like I said, and uh, we got some really great shows planning up, and then we got um, I think. Before this post, or maybe shortly after this one posts, um, the new uh, season of Spaces will start rolling out. We'll start rolling out those Sweet. shows, and they're get excited. Nice. They're really kind of they're really kind of fun, especially episode one. There's been a lot of code speak that I've been talking about, but you'll you'll understand everything after episode one. But um, it's been really great. It's been really fun. So if you want to reach us, you can reach us at audioatnowcastnetwork.com, or you can leave a comment on the Facebook page. But for myself and all the guys and girl. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. See you doing. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and features a panel with Rob Arbutier, Bobby Osinski, Scott Gershon, Nick Peck, Diego Stucco, Brandon Birdside, Martin Page, 
Bobby Summerfield, and maybe a guest or two. We'll see you next time.